0: Welcome to NEP On Location. Here we hit the road and have conversations with some of the brightest minds from the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics, and more. In this episode, Jim Oleski is on location at NEP's We Need to Talk Mental and Behavioral Health Conference in Las Vegas and has a conversation with Dave Gelati. Dave has 35 years of fire service experience, and currently serves as a captain in the Los Angeles County Fire Department. He's been on the board of LA County Firefighters IAFF Local 1014 for 26 years, including serving as president of the more than 3,400-member union for the last 22 years. Dave also serves on the Executive Board of California Professional Firefighters, as well as on many other public safety-related boards and committees.
1: Hi, this is Jim Ileski from NEP on location in Las Vegas. At NEP Services, we need to talk Behavior Health Conference. Joining me today is Dave Gelati from Los Angeles County Fire, IFF Local 1014. Uh, welcome, Dave. Thanks for joining us here at the We Need to Talk uh, Conference, and, and more specifically, thanks for sitting down with us for a few minutes to talk to us on this podcast. Uh, so, welcome. So, uh, tell me, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, obviously, we know a little bit about you know your, your local and, and everything like that. But, but why, you know, tell us about you and why it's important for your local to have a presence here at this conference. Well, thanks for having me by the way, you,
2: Mark, and NEP, and for hosting this conference. So, Dave Gelati, I'm a a fire captain by trade, uh, coming up on 30 years with L.A. County Fire, 35 and a half in the fire service, long time. Uh, I'm also a labor leader. Um, I've been the president of L.A. County Firefighters, Local 1014, 3,400-plus members uh, for 22 years, and on the board for 26 years, right? Yeah, I should have made a left when I made a right, (laughs) but it's all good. Having said that, um, I also... I'm a very proud father of of three kids, and uh, my son just happens to be one of the newest members of the L.A. County Fire Department by a year and a half. So A different lens, right, in looking at all this. Why is it important for L.A. County Fire Department's peer team to be here? Because the type of training we're getting here, the type of networking that occurs in the behavioral health, mental health world for firefighters, police officers, public safety, is so critical. For us to be able to take care of those who take care of others, and who is that now for me? It's my son, Jim. Right. 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 Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I'm driven to come here and seek out a good training for our teams. Uh,
1: it, it seemed you, you mentioned before we started recording uh, that, that you were you were very happy with the turnout of your membership that, that are here, and and uh, I've spoken to a couple of them uh, on tape, and uh, oh, I think all of them all off tape, and uh, I mean these guys are and gals are all in. And um, they've 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 spoken, you know, to the depth of, of your locals, uh, you know, efforts um, in 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 the the mental and behavioral health support realm. Can you talk about those a little bit? Uh, just kind of you know let the audience know and like what, what is Local Ten Fourteen, uh, and the LA County Fire Department. Uh, what do you have in place, um, you know, and and how did you start, and, and where are you going uh, with your behavioral support uh, and mental support for for your membership? Of course, and I realize that uh, for different departments and unions,
2: uh, not only up and down the state, but nationally, uh, they're at different levels of uh, where their teams are and how they're progressing to have a behavioral health team. Uh, For L.A. County Fire, uh, Peer Support, uh, Critical Incident Stress Management, back in the day is what it was called, CISM, it's been around for 25-plus years with our department, but it hasn't really been formally embraced by both labor and the department, uh, other than off-campus, if you will. Um, For a long time, it it was not embraced. And I think that what's important is uh, our peer support team in L.A. County now, uh, with joint labor management support, by the way, that's so critical and so key. My business partner in all this is my fire chief and our board of supervisors to be able to make this happen. When you come in together with purpose, they'll fund you and they'll tell you, put your team together. Now, our peer support team is going to approach 300 soon. How's that? for a 3400 member department and now we've got this whole second layer of team members uh you might have seen them they're all the uh, the peer support dogs right well-trained peer support dogs and comfort dogs oh what an additional a valuable tool that is and you see them at all the conferences now they've become part of the conversation and just like in the military they're disarming and they're positive to be able to allow our peer supporters and our clinicians, and let's talk about that, culturally competent clinicians. Yep, yep. We have Dr. Steve Frolick here, one of the national speakers. There are many others, but this whole category of, I call them fire shrinks. Uh, they make cuckoo cool. Right. They make it okay for our folks to realize that they're human and that they can come out and not only ask for, but be open to receiving the help. So I'm proud that we have um, all of our lead peers here. We probably have... Oh, we're approaching 15 people here at this conference right now, and that's a lot. Yeah. And the department, by the way, they covered them to come here and have this training. That's a commitment that wasn't there before. Sure. And I'm seeing it more and more across the state of California and across the nation as we dive into something that really needs to be tackled. So I'm proud of the L.A. County team because we've built ourselves up to where we're at. And just one last thing, where we're heading is much like the IFF, IAFC wellness fitness initiative, a codified signed joint labor management model, an agreement that most departments have adopted because we knew we needed physical health. Right. We're now extending that over to behavioral health and we are sitting down labor and management with the leads that you saw here in our peer team to write our first ever agreement between labor and management on all the tenants and the principles. That we want to be here long after we're gone for behavioral health, including peer support, team, funding, training, clinicians, dogs, everything. Crisis response and proactive. And we're going to move that into our memorandum of understanding. So when I'm long gone, my son and many firefighters after him, this behavioral health and peer support team and whatever it's evolved into will be here because it's codified in the MOU. That's big.
1: No, that's huge. And, and it's uh, as someone coming from a, a local that uh, or a fire department that including fire and EMS members has maybe 130, 150 members to, to we, we look to the to the big guys, you know, to, to what kind of, you know, what, what, what are you guys doing? What kind of successes are you having? Uh, what kind of formal arrangements are you making? And, and that that helps guide, you know, so many uh, the smaller places. And, and like you said, I mean, some of the folks here today uh, they're literally on step one. I mean, it's it's huge that their department or their local has sent them here. Um, but today or yesterday may have been their first exposure to a lot of these things. Um, I do feel like, and I'd be interested to hear your your thoughts. It sounds like you're 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 fired up about this. I, I feel like relatively recently, somehow a tide has sort of turned in our world where. This was a, you know, this was a thing you didn't talk about exactly. before. This was, you know, I, I think a lot of it. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned this before. We we were sending our folks to maybe some inappropriate or unprepared people. Um, you know, they were clearly prepared as as mental health and behavioral health folks. Uh, but I would hear anecdotally, you know, folks who went called EAP and and you know and the questions they were being asked by folks. Uh, we're, we're so, you know, they were questioning their the, our whole service, you know, like like clearly didn't understand where these folks were coming from, much less being able to get past that. Well, well, well wait, why do you work 24-hour shifts? You know, you know, uh, oftentimes,
2: uh, <laughs> I believe, causing more damage. Yeah.
1: Well, right? and then that person's not going to go back, and That's then they're right. going to tell everybody else, oh, I had to work. Don't call that number. Like, it was a giant waste of time. Um, they didn't make me any better. They just made me frustrated. They stressed me out more. I feel like so much of that has changed and changed pretty rapidly um, to the where point I'm, I'm guessing that your son's coming on now yeah and it's it's not mental health behavioral health physical health it's just health you know and, and I think that's you know that's the goal and that normalization um, it's really it's 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 kind of blown my mind that like man when did this happen like this this was not that long ago where these are the last people you would call and now it's just it's hey my shoulder hurts or something's going on in my head it's the same thing. Um, Absolutely, and before I answer that, let me just go
2: back to something you said, you know, 130 members, 180 members. Uh, Catalina Island, it's in L.A. County. Sure. Avalon Fire Department, they have a union, they have a 10-member fire department, including the fire chief. How about that? Three shifts, three people per engine, three shifts. They're an extremely advanced, politically active labor and management department, and they have a peer support team. Now, it's not big, right? Sure. But... Having that one resource on that island, or two resources on that island, and then having the relationship with right. LA County Fire, right. or that I might have with your department, right. that is so critical. And listen, I chair the California Task Force on Behavioral Health. I don't know why they picked me either. My mother looks over and laughs. You've she been says, around a long time, Case why. study. She says <laughs> they, they all they, got your they phone They know number. what they're dealing with when right. they deal with right. you. But having said that, um, statewide, we've begun building a network of peer supporters of peer support resources, dogs, clinicians, and ability to fund and send people when any department has a crisis. Why is that critical? Because if your department in New Jersey had an issue and you were out of resources to use, but yet you had a relationship with LA County where I could give you five peer supporters or a team of 30 right, to come out and help, that's critical. Or what about this? What about if an LA County firefighter lived in your jurisdiction you happen to have 130 members in but that's where my member lives and that member of mine is having a crisis and I pick up the phone and call you because we've been coming to these conventions we've been training together and I say I've got a crisis for one of my members can you send your team members to help him and all those team members have like training like certifications like language and like paths of of help so that it translates. Right. I think that's important.
1: Yeah, that's no, huge. huge in New Jersey. Right? Yeah, New Jersey. We, we, we have a growing number of of local teams. Um, you know, my own department has one. We have a state level team, uh, which is kind of the. I don't want to call it the all-star team of the local teams, but it's a lot of folks who, uh, you know, who've been doing it a while. And then we, we're we're kind of backed up by the FDNY, who probably, you know, to, to similar to your, you know, has an almost endless supply of folks. Because some of these things are one-on-one simple things. Some of these things are, hey, we had a line of duty death and that entire firehouse or that entire shift or that entire department needs support. Right. And you need some depth for that. And, uh, you know, in the FDNY, at least on the East Coast or the Northeast is, is, is you know, often serves in that role because their depth is kind of unmatched just through their, their size, you know. So
2: you know what I'm talking but, about. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's... The it, network it, is important. And by the way, sometimes the assignments that we're going to get as peer supporters, peer support teams, they're not that exciting. Right. There's not going to be a mass shooting. There's not going to be, you know, an incident that takes out a bunch of firefighters in a fire. Sometimes it's a matter of one member in the depths of darkness somewhere, calling, saying, I need help. And when we send the help for that one member, that success story to me is equally as important Absolutely. as as the success stories for things that happen on larger scale. And now back to your other question. Um, what what turned the tide? Yeah. Why now are we seeing everybody say, you know what, I'm going to raise my hand?
1: And I'm, I'm guessing you're agreeing with me that somebody's been around a while, like, man, when
2: did this change? And I asked this in the session this morning. I said, uh, you know, the firefighter stressors that are driving firefighters to lose it a little bit, to want to leave the profession, to have problems at home, things that are fueling why we even need behavioral health. They were on the uptick, right? Yep. Why is that? Has it always been like that? And we were, were diving into it. What I think happened about two and a half, three years ago, that caught all of our attention. And this is just even hard to say. Firefighter suicides for two years straight were the highest cause of death, more than all other causes of death in our profession, for two years straight. How about that?
1: Yes, it became That's undeniable. Scary. Yeah, undeniable that there was a. And it was at
2: that moment, problem. I think, that people said, I think we have a problem, sure? I think we have an issue, we better dive into it, right? Yep. And we went back and looked at, at what, what the causes were and, and now we've progressed so far forward. Uh, one of the pieces of our session today was firefighter suicide prevention and awareness. How do we start to proactively help our folks so that this doesn't happen? So I think that was a big catalyst yep. to turn things and I, you know, the whole nation watched uh, LA County. Um, Sierra incident, Fire Station 81, I had one of my members at the peak of difficulty, mental problems embedded of course, station issues, a firefighter went back to a station shot and killed one of our firefighters and shot and injured and ended the career of a fire captain and put our department in a state of disarray and then went home to his house lit it on fire and shot himself. Now that's something I'm telling you nobody should ever have to wake up to, but it was also, I think, a piece of the big wake-up call that we need to put some systems in place so that we don't have these incidents happen. Right.
1: So you don't have to to go deep, 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 but you just mentioned systems in place. Talk about some of the systems in place uh, that you have in L.A. County.
2: Well, look, um, I I put it into two categories now, and that's a big part of, of what we were talking about at your conference here was making the turn now to not just be set up to handle a crisis, we've got a lot of systems in place for that. If somebody's broken, and and you heard some of the clinicians today say, that's the only time I get to talk to firefighters right, is right, when they're at their break right, point.
1: Right, right, right.
2: Well, um, so that's reactive, and how we handle situations. We have many tools that we've put in place in systems, including peer support programs, yep. peer-driven, clinician-supported. The dogs we've got counseling inpatient centers, outpatient centers. We've got conflict resolution and mediation resources. We've got all of that, right? Now, this is what's most exciting to me. Last week, I called my kid and I said, hey, man, what are you doing Wednesday? You want to go to the beach? We can go stand up, paddle, et cetera. He said, oh, I would love to, but I'm getting off work and I already have my counseling and therapy appointment set up. I don't want to miss it. And I went, are you okay? What's going on? He goes, no, no, no. They taught us in the drill tower. Sure. And, Dad, don't you know? We have these <laughs> benefits. I do quarterly assessments with an online therapist, culturally competent clinician, just to change the oil. And I was taken back in that moment. And I called my peer support team. I said, are we teaching this in the drill tower? Right, I right, 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 the says, right, right. We are. And I said, right. I can't believe it. That is what's exciting, right? That's the future, and you have the clinicians in here. To catch firefighters and their families in a proactive way so that we hopefully reduce or maybe even eliminate some of the issues that we're seeing out there. That's, I think, what the future holds, right? And getting the department and the insurances and workers' comp to cover and fund proactive therapy and counseling and uh, maintenance, if you will, of the number one tool on the engine, the firefighter. That's the exciting turn that we're seeing now. Those things are getting built right now. And your question was, what are our resources? We are teaching in the tower a four-hour module on behavioral health now. And you heard Phoenix talk about it through Fire and Terry yep. Romella, yep. Dr. Kerry Ramella That's where the future is, my friend. And I think that as we learn that an injury to your brain, treating it like it's a head injury, preventing... The impact of those injuries through your career is what's I think going to turn the tide to where people will be happy to be at work. They won't have those job stressors, and will be in a better place heading forward.
1: Yeah, in the same way that we've we've moved so far with injury prevention. I mean, this is just it's it's the same. It's just a holistic. You said it it's a holistic Total approach. Total firefighter
2: right. systems, yeah, right?
1: Yeah. And isn't
2: it funny um, if we look over to other places that we learn from? There's the military. There's law enforcement. Fire. Um, and then there's professional sports there's dance right why didn't we look over there earlier the professional sports teams there's sports psychologists in the dugout i was i never thought about that before why because when a pitcher stops throwing and we're heading into the world series and they've done everything they can mechanically and it's not happening guess what there's a little Namaste yoga session sure. that happens and they talk about reflection, meditation and and entering into all the same things we're talking about for firefighters in order to go win that World Series game. Why would it be any different for us? Yeah,
1: Wouldn't and we- I've, I've, I've sat in some classes by some sports psychologists, big, you know, yeah. top, top uh, you know top team folks who they were blown away when they were finally introduced to fire service folks and say, well, wait a minute, like I'm, I'm dealing with folks with three and four year careers often. You guys are doing this for twenty-five for 30, thirty years, years. <laughs> right? And like, like, how did yes, yeah, them saying the same thing. Like, how did we not get into this world sooner? You're you're doing the same thing. You're just you don't have a million people watching you on TV, uh, but the stressors are the same. Um, well, and breaking and the,
2: down some of the traditions that didn't allow us to access things like that. Sure, I'm going to tell you sure. something. At an unnamed fire station in LA County, I walked in on a shift I was working, opened the door, only to have to leave real quick because I was interrupting a live yoga and meditation class in the station did you think you would ever see that in your
1: career no and no, when no. i talked to all the
2: guys they said not only is it hard but yeah. this is super helpful they're embracing it now i'm not saying every station's doing that but meditation but yeah, and breathing and reflection and these things that are you know snipers in the military have been using people on the front line have been using
1: well there's definitely been professional uh,
2: athletes and now look at us
1: yeah yeah no that that's been a big uh, that's been a big uh, push of late I think which is, is is great yeah it's exactly it's looking at you know um, uh, you know things like Colonel Dave Grossman who now everybody reads you know and and who's who studies like you know how to uh, yeah how to how to how to, how to, how to keep your heart rate in check which yeah. is no different whether you're you know you're an athlete whether you're a, a soldier about to jump out of a helicopter or you're a, you're a firefighter ready to break down a door and go Put out the fire, you know, um, and the fact that all these things are coming together uh, you is know,
2: breaking sh- down stigma doesn't apply just to when you have a problem. Just thinking about it out loud with you right now, breaking down stigma applies to allowing our profession to progress to where we embrace these proactive tools as part of our daily routine. Sure, and I think that's where we're headed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, no, the new kids, too,
2: they always get a bum rap. These new kids, they don't care about this, they're this, that, and that. I'm gonna tell you my experience with the new hires that we get for the most part, right. They're energetic, they're enthusiastic, their perspectives might be a little different than us in traditional ways. They are loving this job, and they are more open. They are more open to everything we're talking about, proactively and reactively with with regard to behavioral health. And certainly they came in with a whole... A whole better understanding of how to eat better, how yep, to work yep, out better. Yep, they're all they jacked. came in looking yep, good. They're yep, jacked, and yep. I said, "You know what? The old guys are getting on board now and going like, look at me! I dropped a bunch of pounds. I'm eating right, and I'm going to go out now for a for a, a new recruit-led stretching session after we worked out.'" What?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I'm a I'm a I run a, a very young crew, and um, I'm, I'm They call you pops. <laughs> they, they 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 don't. But I think I'm I'm almost double of age of of, uh, of most of them, um, and yeah, they're all they're jack. They're smart. Like I mean, I I encourage, bring a lot
2: to the table. Don't they, they bring they're so dynamic. much. They're
1: so they're studs. The conversations you know? are good too. They're um,
2: mentally they're, they're strong.
1: Yeah, no, they're they're <clears throat> they're, they're studs. They're they're great. Uh, and uh, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't buy into the whole ah this next generation, you know this new generation that's gone on forever. You know, generation before us said our generation sucked. I'm sure their generation said the. Gen- you know that Absolutely. that that's always going to go on. Um, but I look at these guys. Okay, yeah, maybe there's some things that is different. Than what our generation may be. all right well fine I'm, that's my job to deliver that to them and otherwise I'm gonna sit back and learn from these guys and and man I gotta keep up with these dudes like that's my you know that that like you just said all right I'm gonna get back in the gym or I'm gonna yeah because these guys are studs and they're gonna be gone before <laughs> I even got the door closed you know uh, on the truck and yet and I did right?
2: have to explain to one of my firefighters the other day that you know. We actually used to call a mounted phone in a building. Somebody would have to answer it, right. trying to find a person on a floor, right. versus calling a cell phone. On, and he looked at me like, "That's crazy! How <laughs> did you guys even do it?" Right,
1: right, right, right. Yeah, yeah no, th- th- those are funny discussions. But no, no, no. I, th- I think, and I think the, uh, uh, you know, uh, you, you were talking about some of the, like, what are the, what are some of the, the factors that have happened that have allowed this sort of giant step mm-hmm. forward to happen. And maybe, you know, there were, there were a lot of hiring freezes in a lot of places, some, you know, for, for a while. And, and you do have, I mean, my own fire department, I and mean, we're almost to the point where by the end of this year, 25% of our membership is going to have less than a year on a job. Wow. Um, you know, and so, like, okay, there's, there's challenges there by all means, but that's a lot of opportunity. That's a lot of old school mentality that's, that's gone. Um, and these guys come in and, all right, hey, this yeah. is the way we do things and, and great. And, and frankly,
2: I think there's a way to bridge the traditions of our profession that we wear proudly and yet also incorporate a relationship with some newer thinking from some of the younger generation and then you're better because of it. And specifically again back over to behavioral health, I think that it's one thing to talk about breaking down stigma, it's one thing to say we need to be better and do better, but it's a whole other thing to ingrain it from the drill tower on and actually have it pulse in the veins of the new firefighters. I'm starting to see that, and that's exciting. I saw it in my own kid, and I see it in all of his friends. And they do want to maintain a good work-life balance. We're teaching it. They're using the tools from peer support that we give them to know that I need to keep my days off and go do something other than this job. They're having outside interests, right, to keep that balance. That's something I was never taught coming through the fire service. I don't know about you, but you know no, you a lot of guys
1: a lot of guys left and then went to walk, work another part time job on another fire truck or another ambulance or you know something and where you worked every overtime shift you possibly could get and um,
2: and there's balance uh, yeah. to be with these new kids I think they bring that to the table I, I see the balance better through them sure. than I ever did through from my peers
1: sure um just because you're obviously uh you're you're you've been around on the the labor side of things uh for a long time you did talk a little bit before about how you're you're coming up with some um uh some agreements with your your department and county to kind of formalize these things let's talk a little bit more. do you have any more to share um from just a pure nuts and bolts part of this absolutely so Um, um couple things. Um, being that I'm
2: one of the labor leaders that sits on the State Union, yep. as well as I chair that task force, we've been uh, instrumental in in putting legislation forward uh, to empower and to support um, behavioral health for firefighters at a couple of places here, and we need to do more, but um, you heard about the Tiger Act in Arizona yep. that gets mandated treatment after you've had an incident. I thought that's one of the most beautiful pieces of legislation I've ever seen. In California, we were successful in writing, and I had a hand in that with my behavioral health team. The post-traumatic stress injury, and by the way, we used to call it disorder, right? Because it yep, was the billing yep, code. Yep, yep. We changed that to injury, PTSI, or PTS, just to start to break down stigma. Well, we ran the PTSI bill, and we got it passed, and it had a sunset on it. And so, and it's it, it's got some bumps to it, you know, it's not automatic approval, here we go, but the thought process there was when we had somebody that either took their life or had some career-ending mental health disability, should we not be able to take care of their family uh, just like any other injury, Uh, but also can we get them the resources they need while they're injured with that injury to get treated, right, under workers' comp. So while it's got some bumps, uh, we're working on extending that by seven years. It had a sunset on it. That sunset's coming up in two years. It looks like we're going to have bipartisan support in both the Senate and the Assembly and push that bill forward. Also, public safety dispatchers, whether they be firefighters in the dispatch center or whether they be civilians that are public safety dispatchers for fire and police, we are bringing them into the post-traumatic stress bill. I was blown away by the trauma in the dispatch centers. You've heard about the sensory rooms and all the new technologies to help the dispatchers come out of it. And I went up and did a a sit-along, they call it, Uh, being a 30-plus year fire captain. I had never, ever taken time to see what it was like to take a a call on the other end and and talk somebody through it. It It's a job I would not want. So we're bringing our dispatchers up to Sacramento, and I think that bill's gonna move through. The other thing we did over legislatively is we put in the peer support bill, and what that did was, in California, if you're a peer supporter, and it's all run through the Joint Apprenticeship Program, the California Professional Firefighters, OES, and the Cal Chiefs organizations, so you you get the like certifications, either the IFF training or like training for peer support program, yep. continuing education, right, and all of these things, which, by the way, that's what allowed us to lace up all the resources, whether you're a one-member department, 10-member department, or a 100-member department, they all have similar training and standards. That's why we're here training it your conference, you have all of that and you're certified, then your peer supporters now can be deployed on our fires and there's an order number to order peer support. Chaplains to order clinicians for a fire. Can you imagine that? Or a major incident. So if we have a big brush fire blowing out and we we put a trailer in and we put peer support on a fire um, in California before it was popular and we used other order codes to put it in play and pay, pay for it, Now we're actually going to have peer and clinician on the order codes and have them pre-deployed to fires so that people that are from uh, all over the regions that have been away from home, they might have personal stresses at home, they can come seek out a peer support right at a fire. Or if we have an incident that happens like, God forbid we lose somebody, peer support's already there. So the bill that we passed uh, gives the same protections for peer supporters uh, that a doctor or an attorney would have with regard to privilege. So if you come into California and you talk to a peer that's in the program and certified, what you say to that peer cannot be accessed by your employer or anybody without a court order. And we found that to be huge because some of these instances we have have criminal issues with them to the side, same with law enforcement or other issues that are heavy, and you don't want that. Sure product of the conversations from peer support to get out. So that was about confidentiality. So the governors embraced it, the legislature, and then we also had funding that came along with that through Cal OES. So those are some of the things legislatively up north. I think where we need to move now is just codifying our programs and ensuring that at the local levels we have funding for this. It doesn't come cheap. I also think our clinicians need to be paid better. For goodness sakes, these clinicians that are here in our, our service today in, in the conference, the ones that treat our members, get this higher level of training to be culturally competent and know our people, putting their backs into it, they're getting the work comp rate or the, right. right. the, the credit rate through an right. insurer, right. and that's not gonna pay the bills for them. I think that we ought to offer up and maybe legislate it or codify it, that when you have culturally competent clinicians that have joined our team, we are gonna pay a fair rate, right. and it's gonna be codified, and that our members get the best service because we can retain the best service
1: for them and clinicians. Uh, that's 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 a lot. That's impressive. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's always going to be barriers to these things. Um, uh, the insurance companies, workman's comp, uh, you know, are often the biggest ones, uh, and that's where legislation it becomes so you know vital to to be able to push back on that because you're not going to probably win that battle uh, alone on a local level.
2: You, you're not, and you know what? Uh, ironically, while we were here in conference, I had to step out, um, and in my role as task force chairman, uh, we were bargaining, yep. uh, negotiating with Kaiser, yep, yep, yep. Uh, Cigna, and the Blues, right? HMOs, PPOs throughout the state that cover our members to embrace the IFF Center of Excellence to allow our members to be admitted and to have that paid for by HMO or PPO services and we've been extremely successful at garnering agreements to do that with set rates that are fair
1: yep.
2: and we're doing the same thing right now through Kaiser and some of the HMOs in the state and the PPOs to make sure that um, culturally competent clinicians are embedded in their treatment systems and having numbers where our firefighters can call that number or access online through an app the culturally competent clinicians within a healthcare provider system and we're doing that by the way by actually writing the CE, Dr. Steve Froelich who's in here, Scott Ross and some of the others, they put together a three hour CE for clinicians and we went to the training where MFCC's and the counselors did all their trainings and we started to put it out there and let me tell you something, as soon as people got wind of it and saw it, the classes were full to get that CE. So people do want to help firefighters, they do want to take that extra training but we need to set it up and negotiate so that they can get CE for it, so that our members' health care can be paid for, whether it's by work comp or the insurers. And it gets very complex. So here while we're at your conference, and I'm, uh, I walked out at the break, and we're negotiating with Kaiser in the state of California. And it's, it, it's so finite, it's, it's Southern California, not Northern California, right, right. to get an agreement uh, to embrace the services that we're learning about here. At any peace conference.
1: Yeah, and in time, hopefully, we have data that can back up that says, hey, this 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 small relatively small upfront investment you know is actually cheaper long run um you know i mean that's always what the insurance companies want to hear you know that 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 the uh, you know wellness ends up being cheaper than you know having to to, to deal with critical issues absolutely and you that's know, something and by the way that they weren't
2: thinking about in the Kaiser program right of right, today. right i brought that up being from labor and they yeah. were we've got our data marks and we said we're gonna line out how we're gonna track it to make sure that it's working and that it's effective too
1: well one thing uh, that's that's really changed my perspective on a lot of this uh in just talking to so many folks over the last couple of days uh here um, was was how, uh, at least in the fire service or you know, and in public safety, how uh, mental health and, and the the the, um, the workplace environment is now almost like a, a, a an inherent part of leadership. I mean, it, it's a, it, it, I mean, I'm sure you know you you, if, you know, and, and I have certainly I've been to countless leader quote unquote leadership type classes. In, in worrying about you know the, the mental health or the, the well-being of your workplace is not usually you know in those books uh, they're not in those slides or at least they hadn't traditionally been. And that was things what some folks here have been talking about today. How important it was to now just say, like, hey, as a leader, it's not just important for you to, you know, get get your people home, you know, safe from the from the from the fire or for the from the critical incident. You know, I mean, this is a day to day to day to day thing. Their well being um, is your job. It's your it's your role as a leader um, to take care of your people all the time, and that this is a part of it. And uh, I just thought I was like, man, what are what a perspectives? I mean, I've been to, you know so many things where leaderships, you know, it's about it's about command this commanding presence and all these things, and you know, really, it's about making sure people are okay all the time. And uh, like I felt like, man, I'm like, if we can get that step too, made to to where you recognize, like, hey, if I'm when I'm going to move up a level or another level or whatever, that's part of what I got to do. Um, I you know I'm, I'm not sure we're there yet. Um, I, you know, uh, but that was just an you interesting know, perspective you that use I heard.
2: Perspective on that. We get so busy chasing operationally how beautiful we need to be and that's important by the way. You get hurt if you don't know how to do your job. Train and you don't have command presence, you don't follow orders on a fire or you don't know how to give out proper orders on a fire. That's huge, right? But the men and women that are doing those jobs and we're now just learning I guess, apparently we're human, right? Uh, That's fresh news by the way. Everybody including firefighters, police officers, military folks we all thought and people thought of us that we were superhuman and as it turns out we're not and so taking care of each other before we hit the battle lines that becomes so critical
1: and i think we're recognizing the we str- some of the stressors too which okay we've all lo- we've we've all known like okay you go to a you go to some tragic incident scene or uh, you know blood and guts kind of scene. Yes, that's not healthy to 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 uh, to witness and we, we know that and we've long had the, the coffee table in the firehouse to come back to to talk to I mean that's part of the job in a, in a, in a, in a respect. But I think uh, some of the issues of late um, with retention issues and folks just not having the number of people even going into the jobs um, that we once had um, and forced over time and and in you know we don't have this issue necessarily in the in northeast uh, other than you know fema deployments but i mean you guys constantly have the, the 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 worry about wildland fire deployments over your head these are stressors that are just bigger than you know okay hey i i had a, a death in front of me on the scene or whatever i mean this is hey I'm, I'm leaving my four-year-old kid for three weeks or hey I'm, I'm supposed to be going home today to go to something and now the phone rings and tell me i yeah, can't go home these are things that are turning people away from the service, you know, and, and, and like, that's what I said, like a lot of these leadership type things like, man, these are bigger, these are bigger issues. And and if, if you go to my firehouse, I mean, the, the biggest stress is, is is it, it not, not as much with the firefighters, but with our EMS personnel is their lives are being ruined by forced overtime. Hundred percent. You know, and That's something we didn't. And see why would you stay? Right? Like I couldn't. I couldn't stay in the job if I was them. You know, I don't. I don't work on an ambulance, and, and we have separate ranks uh, for our firefighters or EMS folks. It's it's the same fire department, but it's 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 yeah. different ranks. We don't cross, cross the floor, so to speak. I'm like, why Why would you stay in this job? Uh, <laughs> you know, and then as people leave, it just puts more of a burden on the folks that remain. Totally. And uh, well, I think
2: there's two parts to it, right? And so, like with my fire chief. And we've been tackling behavior health. One of the key components was staffing. Right. What feeds staffing is the rate of people we have off on injuries, and one starts to feed the other, and next thing you know, you get into this endless cycle. We never had more than 120 people off per month on injury for many years. Yep. Slowly, it started creeping up until we reached a break point: 500 firefighters <laughs> per month off on injury, and now vacancies created as a result of that in all the ranks. Then we got into some budget issues and hiring freeze, so we didn't have fires fires on the front end. For about a year and a half, we got into this mess, and we still haven't recovered from that. So you do need to take care of physically, ensuring that you have the resources in the stations to do the work, right? You have adequate number of bodies promoted in all ranks. That's a piece of it. Now back over to what you were talking about in the stations, that shift, and I think we are doing it, taking care of each other. Chiefs, union officials have always recognized this. But things like breaking bread and eating together, working out together. Yes, sports, and you got to be careful so you don't get hurt. I get that. But when you get into a grindy game of pickleball or basketball (laughs) at work, a lot of these issues facing our members work themselves out naturally. right? And peer support, by the way, it's just that. It's you and I. It's a higher level of training, but it is still peer-driven. It is firefighter to firefighter. Police officer to police officer, military vet to military vet, like-minded people that understand each other working it out at the kitchen table, and sometimes we need a little more help with a clinician or outside help, but that's pretty magical, and I think we are looking more at that as being part of the daily routine. Now, sleep, uh, that's another thing. (laughs) Dirty little topic there, and uh, we're talking about it more and more. Naps during the course of your shift, 24-hour shift, 12-hour shift sometimes 72-hour shifts, 96-hour shifts, we need to rest our horses too and give them bona fide downtime in between the calls. And that's something that chiefs couldn't embrace sometimes because if you're not up and moving, then you're not really doing work. Not being productive. Well, you know, then the chief goes home at night and you and I are up uh, six times after midnight, Um, that starts to break down mentally and physically the body. So I think we're doing things a little bit better. Yeah, I think a lot of it. You know,
1: a lot of it uh, uh, is just even. Yeah, it's codified, It's but it's even just. Uh, it's verbalizing it in a way. It, it's 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 talking about it in a way that yeah allows people to understand it. Um, and by
2: the way, speaking of injured firefighters, and I'll carry it a step further. Retirees. You saw my big crowd, LA County firefighters in there, the lead peers. Yep. A big portion of that group in there. Uh, well, there's lifeguards. By the way, we have lifeguards in our fire department. So, if you have any, you know, arms of your fire department, whether it be lifeguards, morgue, you know, different aspects of departments, sure. uh, those members they need to be brought into your peer support team too. So, we've done that seamlessly with our lifeguards. And biggest area beaches in the world, uh, La Cola, they have a union that represents them. They're heavily engaged. They see death and they see it differently than we do. Sure. Uh, they don't have any clothes between them and their victim. I never thought about that before. That's shocking and traumatizing especially when it's a child so they're embedded in our system but having said that our retirees are a big part of the program when firefighters leave uh, they don't really take that helmet off do they they don't really walk away and say i'm not a firefighter anymore so they carry it with them and many of these injuries mentally carry into retirement also so one of the things we're doing at the at the kitchen table you mentioned at the firehouse on my shift is if somebody's off on injury eh, about once a week maybe once every two weeks The power of Zoom, the power of FaceTime, the power of Microsoft Teams, we bring them into our morning lineup, that kitchen table discussion in the morning as we're getting ready to work. I bring my injured firefighter in on the big screen TV, and we say, how are you doing? What's going on at your house? Hey, we miss you. Where are you at? That connection back to the firehouse for the injured firefighter is key. So you can bring them in using phones or technology. And then we're also reaching out and hosting, hosting breakfasts for our retired firefighters. If you came out of a firehouse that's busy, you're always going to associate with it. Man, to go back once a quarter and have breakfast with all your friends and listen to that bell ring, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and and we and we have a ride along clothes for them too. We say when well, the bell rings, you can put that coat on and ride along if you want. And they start laughing. So, but that's important, right? That we extend it to our yeah. The, the FDNY
1: has been great about that for their whole history of you are a member of that fire department for yeah. a day. You're a member for life. For life. You know, and uh, you're Some of those traditions all... are good, right? Yeah, they're they're fantastic. Yeah, no, uh, but including them
2: in our tools for behavior health because they're not seen and they're not there. They're retired or they're on injury. Yeah. It's important to remember that those people, and our peer support team that's out there, that we're approaching 300, we have injured firefighters. They're assigned to the peer support team, and you get a phone call from peer support periodically at home to check up on you. We used to never do that. Sure. And during COVID, it was funny. I was off 16 days with COVID. It's a long story, but I'm sitting at home. I'm going out of my mind. Nobody wants to be around me. It was before we knew what it was and all that. And I'm laying there, and I had some issues going on in the phone rings, and I had like a three-year firefighter called the union president at home because he picked me up on the injury list and said, sir, I'm a peer <laughs> supporter, and right. I'm just calling, and, I'm, and he was nervous, and I said, are you kidding me? And I said, I am so happy to get your phone call right now. I haven't talked to a human being in four days. Right. What's your name, kid? Where do you work? Right. And we had right. this peer right. support conversation right. for 20 right. minutes. I was the recipient yep. Yep. Of, of one of the tools yep. that we yep. put in yep. place.
0: And And I said, how'd you you
2: draw the short straw, by the way, to call the union president? He goes, I was thinking the same thing until we had the conversation
1: uh this has been great i mean we, okay. we've already been talking for 40 minutes i, I wow. feel like we could talk for another hour it's and 40 show, minutes as the end as a whole show uh we went down a lot of avenues but i mean you coming from a, a large very um you know well respected very proactive uh local you know and plus your work at the state level and being in, around as long as you have you're certainly going to have perspectives uh on a lot of things and thank you for you know for sharing so many of them um So again, uh, Dave Gelati from uh, Los Angeles County Fire, IFF Local 1014. Uh, Thank you for joining us. And uh, again, this is Jim Oleski from NEP Media on Location in Las Vegas at NEP Services. We Need to Talk Behavioral Health Conference. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you again soon.
0: Thank you for listening to NEP on Location and Jim Oleski's conversation with Dave Gelati. Remember to subscribe to NEP on Location wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can also reach us at nep.news at nepservices.com. And for the latest ideas and information from around the worlds of public safety, organized labor, communications, politics and more, please visit our website at nepmedia.net.